Welcome to Happy Hour with the Three Tomatoes. And no matter what time of the day you're listening, shouldn't every hour be happy? Cheers and enjoy the episode. Honing your message, getting to the point, really delivering and making sure you have told your story and given your message in the best way possible. That's nine-time Emmy Award-winning journalist Jane Hansen talking about how to communicate what you actually mean. Jane has interviewed everyone from presidents of the United States and other countries to celebrities, CEOs, and everyday people. She's emceed events and panels, and in fact, she's going to be moderating one of our panels at our Renewal Summit on May 11th. And all of these experiences have given her great insights into what works and what doesn't in any situation. She's turned that expertise into a business that helps people communicate better. We had a great conversation. Listen in. There are so many different avenues of communications these days, whether it's one-on-one or speaking to a group, whether it's large or small. And then, of course, there's emails, text, social media that what we really mean to say often gets lost. To help us navigate this minefield is Jane Hansen. So welcome, Jane. Thank you so much, Cheryl. And I'm really looking forward to the Renewal Summit. The guests on the panel that I'm gonna moderate include uh, Lisa Oz, who is Dr. Mehmet Oz's wife. She is just (laughs) phenomenal. And um, part of what she's gonna talk about, because it's all about it's about beauty from the inside out. And she's going to talk about um, uh, relationships and things like that. Imagine having your husband being as immensely popular and well-known as he is. And, um, you know, keeping and their busyness yeah. they have in their life. I mean, seriously. Yes, and, for sure. Um, and then we have Karen Ballou, who is the founder of Immunicology and several other beauty um, products, uh, beauty companies, and Karen has an amazing story because she was very sick with Hodgkin's lymphoma a few years ago, and out of that came some beauty products that are really intended to not only help you look beautiful outside, but help you be healthy inside, and then we've got this chiropractor, um, Daryl, and I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, Geoffrey, I think it is? Yes, I um, think so. And, he, I, and he's got um, he's got a couple of, of new, the latest technology. I just talked to him a couple of days and I'm going to his office before the summit so I can actually take some of these tests myself. He's got blood tests that can tell you what is going on with the inside of your body and things that you should be doing for it. And they're really, really simple tests like things and have to do with your heart as well. I mean, it's phenomenal what's going on out there. So the information that's going to come out of this panel is going to blow your mind. I know. I'm so excited and I can't wait to hear all of their stories. It's just, it's going to, it's going to be awesome. So let's get back to you because in addition to being an award-winning journalist, you've now added entrepreneur to your accomplishments. So tell us what was your motivation for starting a company to help others communicate better? Well, you just mentioned the thousands. I've done, by my own estimation, probably well over 100,000 interviews during my my career. Yeah. And that varies from really short little ones to very long ones from, uh, you described some of the people that I've interviewed. And I would find sometimes that people would finish the interview, particularly when we were doing it live in a studio and we had a short period of time. 
three minutes, three and a half minutes, something like that. And they'd say, I, I, I didn't get to, I didn't get my message out. I didn't get to tell my story. And I remember thinking very, very quickly, I could have helped you in so many ways because my interview would lead them down a path of what I thought would be the most interesting part of what they do and why they were there. And yet they felt like what they really wanted to say, they never got to say. Why? Because they didn't really know how to communicate it well. And so it struck me that I could really help people. It turned out to be one of the biggest skills that I, a skill set that I actually have, which is honing your message, getting to the point, really delivering and making sure you have told your story and given your message in the best way possible. And I do it across every possible kind of platform. And that doesn't mean just media. It also means presentations. It means meetings. It means conference calls. It even means emails. Because um, people, sometimes when you're so close to a subject, you can't see the forest for the trees. And so what I do is I really am able to cut, cut to the bottom line and say, if you've only got this amount of time, this is how you need to do it and say it and get it out there. And so that's how I that's how I started, really. I love it. And, and you know, there's another whole story here, too. And I think that's really how you've imagined the next stage of your career as well. I hate that word reinvent, but I like the word reimagined of, you know, there's a story here, too, for so many women who are looking for their second and third acts of looking at where your expertise is and how you can channel that into different directions. So that that's a great story too, Jane. So I, I love that. It's really important. And, and you know, I, um, I just wrote an article. I do a lot of, of blog articles about various and assorted things, and I'm fascinated by body language, but we'll get to that in a minute. But I just wrote one about, about moms. I've been working with a, um, I don't know, for some reason, you seem to go, you seem to go in cycles about who you work with. It's kind of funny how that happens. But I've been working recently with um, a couple of women who are in very high power jobs, but um, and they, they were stay at home moms for in one case, 15 years for another for 12 years. And, um, and they go back to work. And the first thing they do is apologize and say, well, you know, I've been out of the workforce for 12 years. So, and I'm like, why are you apologizing? I mean, let's think about what you did while you were a quote unquote stay at home mom. Uh, did you help run the local, the, the local school PTA and organize events? Yep. Okay. So now you uh, know all about organization and you also know how to be a diplomat and you know how to uh, be, how to navigate through situations because we all know sometimes working with a whole bunch of people at the school that are all volunteering their time, um, that can be more difficult than <laughs> no, negotiating a no dollar contract, right? <laughs> exactly. So, so, and then I said, and what about um, schedule? So you're taking care of the kids and making sure they're everywhere. What about who's buying all the household products? So now you know all about budgets. I mean, I go through this whole list and I say, why are you dismissing what you did? In fact, there was a study that was done recently that was fascinating, which said if a mom were to be paid for her quote unquote stay at home work, she should make the equivalent of one hundred and sixty two thousand dollars a year. Yes, I remember seeing that. And I, <laughs> and I think it should be at least that, at least that. But you're right. I mean, as women, we very often tend to downplay um, 
our capabilities. And we use that word, I'm sorry, way too many times. Every time I hear someone say that, I'm like, stop saying I'm sorry. Uh, we, yeah, yeah we, that so whole we, apologizing thing. Men do not yeah. do that. And I know we're going to talk. Kidding? I when know. I've never heard them say that. <laughs> so let's talk. We're going to talk about how men and women uh uh, communicate differently too, but let's start with what are some of the most common communications mistakes that we tend to make? I think one that is really imperative that we fix is about listening. We are so, we all have agendas and let's, we walk into a meeting, we've got an agenda and whomever we're with, however many people there are, etc. They have an agenda. But instead of us thinking, well, let me think about how I can foster their agenda because the better I make them feel, the better they're, I'm going to persuade them of my point of view. But instead, it's like, it's like we're, um, I don't know what the right word is, where we're, we're, we're crossing each other up because we're not listening. So I have learned over the years that, especially in an interview situation, listening is the most important skill that you can have because it will take you to a place where you learn something about somebody and you can quickly change the strategy of how you're trying to um, either get what you want or help them get what they want. So I'd say not, you know, not listening well is important. We're too quick to jump in and want to answer, you know, want to get our point of view across without understanding that we need to be equally as cognizant and accepting of what the other person's point of view is. So that's number one. Yeah, um, I, was, I was just going to say, and that's great advice, whether it's a business setting or in your everyday relationships with <laughs> with family and friends, because oh, we, we definitely do that there. Yeah, I think that's really crucial. Um, another big communication, I can't even say the word communication, <laughs> excuse me. Um, <laughs> Another big mistake that I think people make is they don't pay attention to what their body is saying. And by that, uh, our body needs to be in sync with the words they're saying. Example, how many times has somebody told you something and yet you see that they're either not looking at you or maybe they've got their arms crossed really tightly, which looks like they're completely not open to what you have to say. Or maybe um, they're, you know, they're, they're turned away. There's just something that, that gives you the feeling they are not really caring about what you're doing, your body, and you, you're not in sync. Body language is interesting because it's the way we communicated for millions of years before we had a spoken language. We've only had one for about 160,000 years. We've been walking on earth for at least 2 million and perhaps a lot more depending on who you believe. So it's totally innate. We take things away from the way, from people's body language before they open their mouth and we make judgments before they open their mouth. So you really need to be conscious about what is my body saying? And people pay no attention to that. I think that's fascinating because, uh, and I think you're so right. We often, if we're thinking about communicating, we think about, okay, what am I saying? And not necessarily how am I presenting what I'm saying mm -hmm. in a way that's inviting someone in. 
Yeah, it's really, it's, and it's about how we use our voice as well, because again, that's part of it. And um, I can give you all kinds of examples that have to do with the way we use our hands. Um, if we, um, if, if we're saying something and we're pointing at a person and we're saying something that we think is gentle or kind, but we're pointing at them, it's like, that school teacher that yelled at you without yelling at you. Cause right. And all you're thinking about is they're pointing at me. They're scaring me. <laughs> Instead of listening to what you're saying. Uh, if your arms are flailing all over the place, people are now looking at your arms and they're not listening to you. So it's, it's about anything that distracts, detracts. Anything that you do that distracts somebody from listening means they're not hearing you. It's detracting from what you say. So we need to be careful about that. I don't want people to get all hung up on it because sometimes we can become too conscious and then we kind of, we kind of flip out um, and then nothing works. But make sure what you're saying is in sync with what you're doing with your body. And other little examples, for example, and women are really guilty of this, will there's a number of different reasons why, which I could completely get into, but we will say something like, I really believe that we should go forward with this project because I know that's going to be well accepted by everybody in the world. So we could do an uptick at the end. Yes. Our, it, our, our statement now becomes a question. Like if, even if I say my name, hi everybody, I'm Jane Hansen. They're like, <laughs> she doesn't even know her own name. <laughs> Correct. I don't believe anything else she says. Oh, that is so true. There's, I've, we've all heard all of those. That's just such great advice. Now, you also just said something a little earlier about how you use your voice, too. Mm-hmm. So when one of the things that I'd like people to think about is when we get nervous or when we get excited, especially women, we start to talk really, 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 really fast. And our voice and our pitch go up. And as our voice and our pitch go up, we sound like a helium balloon. Um, <laughs> so what we need to do to exude confidence and to exude um, the authority and credibility is to pause, to take your time, and to really know what you're saying. So I believe the pause is the most underutilized tool we have in our arsenal of how to speak. And by a pause, I don't mean that I say something and then wait for a minute. I mean a pause is the length of time it takes to tap your foot. Mm -hmm. Great tip. Yep. So that that is a, a, a wonderful way of getting people to actually pay attention. Um, and it, and it all works. When we're calm and we speak with using our best modulated voice, when we speak using the lower pitch of our voice, we are more accepted. There's a, there are a million studies out there that talk about pitch and the lower the pitch, the better that people will listen to us. It's like, think about your voice as being melted chocolate or something um, just very, very that's that's just full of expression and deep as it can be 
So what advice, a lot of times I think that happens when we get nervous. So what advice if you're speaking in front of a group or you're speaking in a, making a business presentation and you feel yourself kind of getting that little anxiety that causes some of those things, what, what would you tell us to do? Breathe. <laughs> oh, I simple do, but true, right? Yeah, I do a little exercise before almost every big presentation that I make. And what I do is I, I go someplace, you know, you can always find a little corner where you can do this because you don't want the whole world to watch these exercises. But I stand up. Um, sometimes I will put my, I'll stretch my arms because that gives you a feeling of power. Um, and then I will do a breathing exercise. I breathe in for three seconds. I hold it for three seconds. I breathe out for three seconds. And then I do it three times. And this has a multiple um, effect. One of the things it does is it slows us down so that that excitability, that, that adrenaline that's really pumping through takes time to, to pause and kind of reset. The second thing it does is it actually helps our voice be calmer and lower when we start to talk because we breathed into the diaphragm and, and breathe bigger, dig, um, deeper and bigger. And when you do that, it helps your voice resonate more. So, and, and, this, and then because you just put yourself into a great place in your own head, you exude confidence when you walk out on that stage. That's great advice. And I'm, I'm definitely trying that next time I'm getting up in front of a group of people and I start to feel that little jitter thing first. Mm -hmm. um, so you, we were just talking about pause and that I think is a great segue into talking a little bit about some of our other forms of communications like email and social media. We live in such an instantaneous world now. Oh. I that know. we, you know, we feel, you know, in the old days, you would take time to write a letter right. and you would have time to think about it. Now we get an email and it, and you know, it's certainly, and, I, and I'm guilty of this. You just feel like, well, I have to answer this immediately. Right. And that seems often when we create a lot of miscommunications that are going on. And I'll just tell a little story on this because I think, uh, you know, we've all had text and emails where the message wasn't really communicated. But my daughter and I one day were meeting uh, each other at Penn Station. We were going to take the train home to Long Island. And we usually like to have a little wine on our on our little ride home. And I was going into a little wine shop there and I sent her a text and I said, what kind of wine would you like? And I didn't hear back from her, so I just picked up a bottle. And as I'm walking out, her text came through and she said, Joel got. So I meet her, we get on the train and we sit down and I said, where's Joel? Because she has a lot of friends who I don't know. And she said, <laughs> Joel who? And I said, well, you said Joel got wine. And she said, it's the name of the wine. And she had written G-O-T-T, -T, but I just thought she had misspelled it. So thank goodness I had bought the bottle of wine. But it was just, we still laugh about it. But it was such a little thing, but it's so common, I think, in how we don't pause and how quickly. So talk about that a little bit. What is your advice in that area? Well, first of all, um, I 
think that we are out of control with our texts. And the problem with texts is that you cannot read into them the emotion or the true meaning, and we misinterpret them consistently. Example, I take the word nowhere. Um, you are no, N-O, where, or it's nowhere to be found, or, I mean, there's so many, you can take yes. so many words and they can become misinterpreted. So I hate text as a way of expressing anything other than than basic information, like where should we meet? Even that can get screwed up. Um, so I, I, I'm very much aware of how text can be a problem. They're a wonderful way of meeting people. I don't know about you, but I remember when I was a kid that I always had a quarter in my shoe for the phone, the pay phone, <laughs> because otherwise you had no way of reaching people, right? Right. And and then when you you, had, you made a plan to meet somebody at the corner of such and such and at a certain time, and then you gave them a window of opportunity. If they didn't, they didn't show up, like maybe their train got stuck or something else happened, you had no way of knowing. So in today's world, it's wonderful to have this immediacy of saying of somebody saying, oh, the traffic is so bad, I'm not going to be able to meet you by one or, you know, call the restaurant. The res we're going to need to change the reservation or whatever it is. So that's wonderful. But the misinterpretation just stinks. So I think you need to be really, really conscious of what are you saying and making sure that there's no chance for misinterpretation with the text um, and that and. I don't know about you, but I'm using them more and more and more versus email because I find that people use text more than they do email, yes. especially when you're dealing with our children. You know, my that's, daughter's in her 20s. Yeah, yeah that's the only way they communicate. <laughs> exactly. And I do worry about that because um, one of the things Dr. Darrell talked about, by the way, he called it digital dementia. Oh, and because he says we have become so obsessed with this that we are not we're not communicating. We're not speaking to each other like we should. We're using text for everything. And um, that's a really interesting concept to think about. Um, but so when it comes to um, emails and text, I try to set a standard for myself in terms of answering emails. And I think it's really good advice, which is I set aside an hour every day and that's when I answer the emails. Now, clearly, if there's something that's really crucial that comes through, I will do it right away. But usually I try to, that way I can focus. I know I've got that time and I think it's a really good idea because then you don't become obsessive. I also, um, had a priest tell me once, never answer an email after nine o'clock at night. I said, why? And he goes, because if it's a business email, it looks like that's all you're doing is answer, you know, is working. And right. if it's not an email, you might want, you know, you're tired, you've had a long day, you might say things you don't want to say. So think and about you might have, And you might have had a glass of wine or two exactly. at that point. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's so true. Um, but the thing with emails is, is the one thing most of us don't have a lot of is time. And in emails, what I, I've taught many a course on this. In an email, you need to put the bottom line up front. Do you know the average CEO? How many, how many emails do you think the average CEO gets a day? 
Oh my gosh, it's got to be hundreds. Mm-hmm. Five hundred. Five hundred. So nobody has time to read five hundred emails. What? So how are you going to get them to read yours? First of all, you have to think about the subject line. Make sure that subject line is specific and interesting, so that they're going to want to open up the email. Then make sure that at the very top of your email, you have the bottom line. Why are you writing that email? It could be something as simple as um, X project needs to have a decision made by by next Tuesday. Here's my recommendation. Then you can always add more context. But you really need what it, what is your ask and make sure that ask is right at the top of it, because that way everybody knows I got to do this. I got to make a decision now or this is what's important, etc. It's just. It's, it's again getting back to that where I started about communication, which is making sure your message is clear, concise, compelling. And and so it's about making sure that bottom line up front is right there. Um, and then what I've seen is, is people will put the whole context to something. As you know, we've been discussing this project for blah, 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 blah. Here's all the options. And then you get to the point where it says we've decided that option number one is right. Well, you've already had to read through all that stuff right. you already knew. So make sure you've got it up front, up at the top. First thing you do is what are you asking for? And that will really help. That is great. That is such great advice. I wish every time I got an email, <laughs> someone was doing that on my end of it. That's, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the other things I want to talk to you about, because I know you mentioned it when we talked uh, prior to this call about how men and women communicate differently and what do women need to understand when they're communicating with men? Forget them understanding us because that's not going to happen. But, <laughs> <laughs> but how can we, how can we, get, how can we get one up on that game? Um, first of all, brevity, be brief. Um, men are very quick to jump to solutions instead of there are so many times when all we want to do is oh man i had this horrible thing happen today and blah 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 and they immediately say oh here's how to solve that problem and you're like i don't want to solve it i just want you to listen to me so we have to understand that they want to be problem solvers so the the way we might want to start that conversation for example is to say I really need to just vent for a minute. Please just listen to me about this this thing that happened today because I think I know how to handle it, but I just want you to experience it with me. Um, think about how, and, and, and in business meetings, again, they want the bottom line. They want to know what's your opinion. The other thing is sometimes we'll say, we use that word sorry. Don't use that word. They don't use it. Why should we? Right. Um, and when we're in a meeting, for example, I find that women tend to not speak up as much. And when we do speak up, we start by, again, getting into the context. Start by saying something strong. Start by talking about what you think. Sit, take your place at the table. Take up space. How many times have you walked into a meeting where there's 
probably 14 people in the room and you there are 10 men and four women and the men are spread out and the women have got a little tiny space and sometimes they may not even be sitting at the table itself take up and own your space because i guarantee you they will and they do um there are there are a number of studies that say men will that their perception of themselves is 30% better than reality and ours is 30% less than reality. Own who you are. Be proud of who you are. Own the fact that you have every right to be there. You have earned it. Speak up. Great, great, solid advice, Jane. Oh, I just love, I just love this. So now listen, where, where can people find you? It's Jane, and is it janehanson.com? That's my website. They okay. And tell us who yeah. you work with. It's, it's, I know you do a lot of work with corporations, but mm-hmm. can individual people just come and contact you and say, I need help here? Uh, absolutely. I work with, um, I work with just about anybody. I've worked with um, authors, I've worked with uh, entrepreneurs, uh, people who've started their own businesses and are now trying to get their word out there. Um, and, and, I, and one of the things that I really love doing now is I'm helping a lot of people as they start to do videos. Because as you know, videos and podcasts, I'm helping yes. people do, you know, do podcasts too. Um, but video is 87% of the way that we learn today is through video. And videos on a website, videos on a mobile app, videos in general, videos on your social media, videos really help and people will pay more attention to them, but they can't be very long and they need to be compelling. And again, it gets back to that idea of helping people with their messages. So I help people, anybody, you've written a book, you're starting a new business, you've got a new job and and you want to really hone up for it. You've got... um, um, some wonderful project. I mean, it's it's anybody, anywhere, anytime, any place too. By the way, because I travel a lot, so that's so great. Uh, well, thank you, Jane, and I I just love what you're doing. It's so important. And as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking we're going to have to do a workshop or something with you for tomatoes because there's just so much great information you have to share with us. So I thank you I so much. It. I would love it. I think that would be fantastic. So thank you again. And I can't wait to see you at the Renewal Summit too. On May 11th. May 11th. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Ciao, ciao. Have a wonderful day.